from the campaign trail to the studio, Wesley Hunt continues the fight. Along with his brother, Rendon, they chronicle their family experience from slavery to West Point in four generations. Tackling the difficult conversations facing our country, they're on a mission to preserve the American dream. Buckle up and welcome aboard. You're in the hunt. I'm Wesley Hunt. I'm Rendon Hunt. And, and you're, you're in the, the hunt. hunt. So this week, we are going to talk about one of my most favorite phrases slash sayings that I've ever heard or seen in my entire life. And when I was in flight school way back in the day, back in 2004, 2005, and we were transitioning from learning how to fly basic helicopters and then transitioning into the Apache helicopter course, at that time... There was a new build, building that was erected that was designed to train for the Comanche helicopter. Now, the Comanche helicopter uh, was the new scout helicopter that was going to replace the old scout helicopter, the OH-58, uh, Kiowa Warrior. But it ran over budget. But they invested so much into this helicopter that they took the technology from it and used it to upgrade the Apache to the Delta Longbow that I flew. And in this building, we would go to class every day with all my fellow officers. And obviously, you have a break room. And there was a little coffee area in the break room. And Obviously, you know, it's not like a coffee shop. You know, we're in, the, we're in the Army, so you can't go in and just, you know, you know, pay for a barista to make you a, a nice latte like my brother partakes on every now and again. Um, <laughs> in the Navy, we can do that. Though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> All you Navy guys. <laughs> uh, but there was a coffee area, and above the coffee maker was a sign, and it said, Freedom isn't free. And neither is coffee. And I got a kick out of that because if you got a cup of coffee, you basically had to leave a quarter. And, and it was fine. And it, it, that sustained the coffee fund over time. But the reason why that stuck with me, you know, going on almost 20 years is the idea of that's exactly right. Nothing is free in this world. And while at the time that was a joke, it's not really funny anymore to me. Because yeah. what I've discovered in life is that, no, freedom isn't free. Everything has a cost. Everything that we have, everything that we do, everything that we earn costs someone something. And it's not free. Yeah. And I think about there's two things that I think is really the first two things I think about in that story. And unfortunately, if you know me, they're not serious at all. The first thing I think about is when you say cup of coffee, I think about the macho man, Randy Savage. Cup of coffee in the big and time. And I think about how you got to have a cup of coffee in the big time. Yeah, cup of coffee cup in the big time, yeah. That's the first thing I think about. The second thing I think about is perhaps a bit aggrandizing to my brother. It's the idea of, I was listening to the very beginning of this story, how cool of a life have you lived, man? Wow. You're sitting here just saying... Yeah, you know, we were uh, hanging out. With no, do your Wesley voice. No, I want. I, no, no, stop. Talk like me. No, I want. I want to hear this. If I want to talk like you, then I'll just talk normal. Do you want my Wesley voice or my Wesley politician voice? Oh my what? 
Wait. <laughs> <laughs> my Wesley voice is just me talking. My Wesley politician voice is just a little so bit different, though. I hate you so much. <laughs> <laughs> I just think about how cool how how cool it is to have perspective where you can say, first of all, to speak at length about the technology of attack helicopters and to start a story where, hey, we were learning how to fly these highly sophisticated attack helicopters with intricate engineering systems. It's just really cool to, to, to yeah. start a story like that. And that's something that once again, when you get lost in your own life or as, as we've done things in lockstep, oftentimes we don't take the time to step back and think about what we're actually saying. And, and I love that idea of truly freedom isn't free, but also you being in the position where you could sit in the cockpit of that helicopter and fly it and have the honor of serving in that way, yeah. that wasn't free either. No. I mean, there was, it took a lot of hard work to get to the point where then you have the privilege of risking your life for this country. That's a, that's very well put. Right. Think and, about all that took. And I, and I think really when a lot of people walked into that break room and they thought about seeing that sign, I'm not sure if they really got the subliminal message. And that is you're, you're getting ready to go pay for this freedom after we train you how to fly this helicopter and then you're going to find yourself in Baghdad or you're going to find yourself in Afghanistan. Oh, trust me, none of this is free either. The United States government spent about $1.2 million to train me on how to fly a helicopter. Between that, between West Point, between Airborne, between Air Assault School, you went to Air Assault School, right? I did go to Air Assault School. You went to Air Assault School and in your training even in the Navy, I mean, you and I together, the government spent about $5 million roughly. I yeah. mean, let's, let's just round up. If, if you want to throw Dehanya in there. Now, Dehanya is way older than we are. So you have to kind of <laughs> account for adjusted. inflation. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they spent about 20 cents on her education. <laughs> <laughs> is that a tank or a bicycle no, with was, guns was it, on it? Was that 1920 or was it? <laughs> Bonds, buy bonds, <laughs> war bonds. <laughs> Sorry to hang you. You're not, she's not. She's not that old. But but when you think about that, you know the question always becomes, you know, what is your life worth? Because really, you're signing up to do this, and this is this is the country asking you at some point that no matter how much money we spend on you, by the way, your life is not worth whatever we choose to spend on it. But we may ask you to give it. Are you going to answer the bell or, or, or are you not? Because if you do believe that freedom isn't free and neither is coffee, well, then guess what? This freedom may cost you your life. We may ask you for it. Yeah. Are you going to do it? Yes or no? This is where military people always bridge this gap. And this is where we are always different. And regardless of what your political affiliation is, we always get down to brass tacks. Yeah. We are the people that believe in the values of this country. We believe that, you know what, freedom isn't free, but we'll be the ones to pay for it for you. That's okay. We'll wear that. We will own that. And we'll take it. And I also think that if, if we look at, at the true cost of having a free country, a free society, the cost associated with it is going to be in blood. It always will be. Yes. 
for every and, society. This is historical. And this is this is not something that we are comfortable with accepting in our culture. It's not something that we're comfortable with talking about because we put ourselves in a position where we want all of the positive that goes along with things. We want the accolade. It's the whole idea of, we, as we talk many times about, about West Point, you want that moment where you're throwing that white cap in the air. And, and everybody wants to have those seminal moments in life. But then the big question is, are we willing to work for them? Everybody wants to have that Tom Brady moment where you're hammered on a boat throwing the, throwing the, the, the Lombardi, Lombardi trophy, trophy. Yeah. from yacht to yacht. I mean, That's great, right? Everybody wants to have, have that moment. But at the same time, how many thousands and thousands of hours has that man, man trained in how much film? Body? How much film has he watched? To get to the point where he could do that. How much film has he watched? And the reason that, that he's willing to do that is because he understands this concept that freedom is not free, victory is not free, and neither is the Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> Lombardi Trophy is not free. Success is not free. Yeah. None of these things are free. They all have a, a cost associated with them. So this is the issue that I feel like we're trending toward in our society. And my fear that we are teaching the next generation is that the government, Uncle Sugar, just, just gives you stuff. We just, we just, we just give you stuff and it's, and it's free. And no one has to pay for it. And meanwhile, over the course of the past, you know, uh, 18 months, I've, we have watched our deficit balloon to $30 trillion. And it was 21 point whatever, 21.2, but 20, 21, $21 trillion. It's now ballooned to over $31 trillion in just 18 months. Because we, we, we have to understand that somebody's got to pay for that Yeah. later. Like nothing is free. Oh, and if, if you think about the debt that other countries own, yeah. Right. Like how how uncomfortable and I don't know if you feel this way. I certainly feel uncomfortable with the trillions of debt that China and Russia own. Yes. I feel I feel uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Right. Like, is there a chance that they'll call margin on that debt? I don't know what that really looks like from a from a foreign policy standpoint, yeah. but it's something that that I feel uncomfortable with the idea that we're putting ourselves in a situation where we're vulnerable because we're not being responsible with the resources that we have and we're not being really accountable. And a lot of this goes to, to the, the COVID relief bill is a really good example of this. Okay? Oh, good. Oh, good. Yeah. So there's, it's easy to throw people in these liberal or conservative camps uh, about specific bills to say, oh my gosh, you guys don't want to give this $1.9 trillion relief bill that gives $1,400 checks to people and all sorts of other things. It's really easy to say, hey, you're a bad person because you don't want to help out on that front. Well, like many things that we talk about, Wesley, it's way more complicated than that. It's way more complicated because the complexity lies in how accountable are we being as a government even in terms of labeling money that we're spending. Yeah. If we call something a COVID relief bill, yeah. you would assume that at least a majority of the money was going specifically to COVID relief. So what do you mean by majority? How much, how much, would, you, how much would you say would be a sufficient amount to go, to, a COVID, to go toward COVID relief? Definitely more than 9%. <laughs> I mean, maybe an excess of, 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 I don't know, even a simple majority? 
but but definitely more than 9%. So I think it's easy to demonize another party and to say, oh my gosh, they just don't believe in this bill as a whole. And they just, well, first of all, I've had my frustrations with politics on both sides more broadly because of the way that we do view spending. I know in my own personal life, I have a specific income. And based on that income, I can spend a specific amount of money, whether it be discretionary or, or things that, that we need, like food and shelter. And as a country, the fact that we don't hold ourselves to that same standard, uh, I think can truly be detrimental to our future. So as I think about the, the COVID relief bill, do I 100% believe that we should be spending money on schools to make sure that we're keeping schools open for children? I have two young children. I completely understand that. Do I think that we should be investing in science, certainly to make sure that we're rolling out vaccines and making sure That's that people me, are Let getting... me correct you. You have one young child and a gremlin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. And do I think that we should be in investing money in order to, to roll out vaccines? Absolutely. But then there's the accountable spending piece of this where, well, what about the, the other money and where it goes and, and how we're accounting for that and what that looks like? I'll take this one step further, even, Rendon. I think this bill is immoral. I do. I think it's completely immoral because <clears throat> 9% of this bill going toward COVID is disgusting to me. If we, are, if we have asked companies and, and small business owners to shut down their businesses, to stay at home in order to keep everyone safe. And I understand that. Any penny, any red cent that goes to anything outside of helping that taxpayer get back on their feet as we move forward is immoral. We can have, a, we can have and pass a bill that addresses COVID that gets PPP out, that gets small businesses back on their feet, and then later, if you want to do a pork bill later, let's, let's address that when, that, when that when that time comes. But right now, we're struggling and we're hurting. Yeah. And it's a, broad, it's a broad systematic issue because we find ourselves with these broad systematic issues where <laughs> you can't just order the sandwich. Yeah. You got to order the whole meal. Remember when, when all these restaurants... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You walk into and you say number two. Remember when all these restaurants... And that's rest- what it comes... You know what number two comes with. You don't... Or number when, one. Remember when all these restaurant let me, chains... No, number three. I don't want to do number one. I don't want to talk about number ones or number twos. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just... Let's just... Like, you order number number six. You order a sandwich. Yeah. Right? Like, like I said, you order a sandwich. <laughs> remember... You order a number two. Yeah. Order number two. Like, ah, oh, this, this is going in the wrong direction. This is not, this is not what I meant. Yeah. That's, not, that's not what I meant. If, if you... Growing up in the era of kind of as, as McDonald's and Burger King, all these places were booming. It was as more of a math stem guy. I always found it very interesting that you could pay less for the burger if you get the fries and the drink too, right? So it's like you're incentivizing people. And hey, you and I both know, of course, is, is in the age that we're in right now when the metabolism is slowed down. Sometimes I just don't need the fries and the drink. Speak just, for yourself, man. <laughs> my, my metabolism is on, is on, is on point. <laughs> Sometimes you just, need the, you just need the sandwich. The thing that, that we've kind of done in, in our system uh, more broadly is we're always tacking on the fries and the drink to everything. Yeah. 
and it's and it's systematic. We just need a sandwich. So we just need a sandwich. And so what ends up happening is there are things that we can all agree on. There are pieces of legislation and bills that we can all agree on. Um, but instead of pursuing those pieces of legislation that we can all agree on, we pursue all of the add-ons that are associated. And then it's this mismarketing campaign, and it's done on both sides. It is. It's this mismarketing campaign of like, well, this is what I said, and I'm shoving this down. So if if you're not down with uh, COVID relief, then you're wrong, and you're on the wrong side, even though the things that this bill encompasses are far beyond just COVID relief. So I do feel like we have to recognize certain times in history, like right now. So if we're calling this a pandemic, which is what we're doing, and if we're and if literally we had the year anniversary of COVID a couple of days yesterday or two days ago, and if we're if we are asking our country to do this one thing, we're asking kids not to go to school, we're asking people to shut down their businesses, we're asking people not to go out, we're asking people to social distance. We're doing all these things as a country, and then on the backside, we're using taxpaying dollars to supplement this. This is not like any other time that we have seen in our lifetime. No. So this is a special time that calls for not desperate, but special measures. Yeah. It's mobilizing a country. That's right? it. It's, 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 it's World War II. It's World War II. You mobilize the country in order to prepare for... That's not what this new bill is, Rendon. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's there, not. There, there, there's things that are outside of that. It's not just mobilizing the country on one front. It's, it's, it's bringing politics into it more. And that's not what the country needs right now. And I think, and I think there is a way to accomplish this that's a win-win for Democrats and Republicans. And that is, I don't really necessarily care how big the number is, whatever the number is. Just know that it's going back to the American that paid that tax is going back in their pockets. So right now, you know, if you get your $1,400 stimulus check, do you know what it costs you to get that $1,400 back? $5,700 in the long run. And maybe not paid for by you, but paid for by Esther or by Wright or by Victoria or by Olivia. Time value of money. It's not free. Somebody has to pay for it. It costs you $57, give or take, $100 per $1,400 for this one bill Per American citizen. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. We have gotten to a point where we have a culture of unaccountable spending. Mm-hmm. And once again, like I said, I, I cannot reiterate this enough. It's on both sides of the table. Right? We have a culture of unaccountable spending. Yes. The, the error of true fiscal conservatives who are really trying to balance our budget. It ended a long time ago. It ended. And, and that's a big frustration on my end because that's certainly where I am. And... Because we have this, we have this mentality in our broader culture that there's literally a money tree. We think there's a money tree. It's like, oh, we need, we need new money? Oh, just, just, just print it. There, there's a money tree over there. We're not even considering the effects that this will have on the next generation. And as we think about it, you, you look at the greatest generation to the baby boomers, right? I want to live in a country where I'm setting up the next generation for success not saddling them with debt. That's yes. not what I'm trying to do for the next generation. That doesn't put them in a position where they can thrive and grow and continue the traditions that, that have been started. Yeah. It's wrong. It is. 30 trillion, $31 trillion with a T 
with what we are saddled with right now. And that's not free. And it's not free. At some point, the chickens will come home to roost. And while this is a global economy, and while everyone is taking on debt, that's why it doesn't seem as bad right now. Everybody's buying up other people's debt in other countries' debt. That, that's true. Um, at some point, though, as you watch China creep ever so closer to eclipsing us with their GDP for the first time ever, I think we're at, we're at seventeen trillion dollars last year. They were at twelve, but you have to understand: about a decade ago, they weren't remotely close to us. Yeah. As we start to level the playing field, and as you said, everybody's going to eventually call their hands in. Thirty trillion, another two trillion, another three trillion, another four. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. What no- exactly are we doing? So you bring up a really good point too. It, it's and it's. I it, tend to. It, oh my gosh! You always do this to me. <laughs> so you bring up a good point. You bring up a good point in terms of your personal spending in your own pocketbook. We, everybody in this country is expected to balance your checkbook in some capacity. You will take on some debt. You get a credit score. If it's good or bad, you can do whatever you want with it, etc. We know how this whole thing works. Why would we expect anything differently from our government? I don't. I don't understand this. Yeah. It's I don't got, understand this. It, it's gotten out of control, and I and I think it is. It is rooted in this idea that that things are free and things will just continue uh, on this trajectory and will continue to thrive just because we're America. Yeah. And I can tell you, look, America isn't great because we've just always been great. Look, there's a lot of improvement that we have to do. And a lot of that improvement, the reason why we've gotten to the point that we are is that there was a lot of sacrifice that was made in order for us to get here. There was, Rendon. And, and that's, that's the piece of this. That was, that was the cost. That it wasn't we free. It wasn't it, free. It, it wasn't free. And so in the same way that, that we've had those sacrifices that got us here, the thing that I don't want to happen is for us to sit on our laurels and believe that to your point about uh, other countries creeping up, we can sit on our laurels and continue to do what we're doing now, uh, and that will prevent us from making that next step. Yes, uh, I'm, I'm reading a book right now. It's called. You read books. <laughs> I, I read a lot of books. <laughs> I read. I love books. It's called Think Again by Adam Grant, and it's an interesting book because it talks about innovation and how do we rethink and redefine ourselves. And if we are going to be the country that thinks about things in the confines of where they are right now, we're going to get passed up. We are. Because we're not going to innovate. We are. So do you know what we're doing right now in our country? We're fighting. Yeah. We're, we're just fighting. We aren't coming together to do anything or to change. We're, we're pointing fingers and blaming everybody and politicizing everything. And that's how we're going to get beaten from within. This is what every this is what we have got to understand that our constitution is brilliant. It's brilliantly written. It wasn't perfect, but it literally it has withstood the test of time. Obviously, if you account for amendments, it's the longest standing constitution under one nation in the history of the world. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Yes. Obviously with amendments, but sure. but they but these amendments were made with a <coughs> Congressionally, 
and they will change accordingly. So this is, but this document, it's the longest living one under one nation in the, in the history of the world. When you look at the past great nations that have done close to what we've done, they always crumbled from within. It's the truth. And we're sitting here watching a time in history to where we are talking about, well, China's catching up. How do we beat China? How do we galvanize to continue to beat China? How do we beat COVID-19? How can we innovate to the next, to the next abundant, um, um, available energy source for the future together? It's always just this or conversation, never an and conversation. So that, that brings up an interesting thought, too, when you talk about free there's been some some really interesting articles over the past couple of days in the Wall Street Journal about mining lithium in the United States, like domestically mining lithium. And you know I'm a huge proponent of grid-scale storage, mm -hmm. yes. for sure. Yes, you've always talked about this. And as well as, as battery storage technology. Yes. Okay. And I think in the long run, and this is my opinion, I think in the long run that if we can really solidify those technologies, we'll be better in the long run for it, okay? But it's not free. Yeah. Where do you think lithium comes from? Mines. There's not lithium trees Mines. that just are, drop it off like apples. Yeah, and, are, and are also, are we, are, are we accounting for what mining for lithium does to our environment? Hey, because there's a cost to it. It is not Nothing free. is free. And, and, and I think, you know, solar, uh, wind are examples of this. How do you think you make windmills? Renan, How you do know, you think you Renan, make solar panels? Renan, Teslas, like, do you think you Teslas, use, you think Teslas you, are badass, right? Yeah. They're awesome, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Okay. Teslas, lithium-ion batteries, awesome vehicle, literally innovated to, the, to be the wave of the future, in my opinion. So when you plug in your Tesla and your garage is more than likely going to be on a coal grid or on a natural gas grid. So your Tesla is being powered by coal or natural gas. Because it's not free. Because it's not free. We as a culture are lying to people to think that if we just go solar or if we just go wind, we just go lithium ion. If we, we are lying to people because we're, we are presenting this as if it's free. It's not free. Oh, there's no free lunch. It comes from somewhere. It comes from somebody. When I was on Fox, I was talking about an, an, an all-hands-on-deck approach to our energy solutions. You know why? Because freedom isn't free. Yeah. Energy isn't free. It takes everybody Stop pointing fingers. Yeah. Yes, we need wind. Yes, we need solar. Yes, we need nuclear. <laughs> and oh, by the way, we need hydrocarbons. We need natural yeah. gas. We need, we need those too. Don't, don't get it twisted. We need it all. And, and there's part of this too where some people can, can become perpetual hole pokers, Right. Oh, there's oh, there's those people. Yes, there, there, there are. They do exist. You know some? Yeah, I, I, I do. Know, I'm aware of, of oh, such people. Oh, I didn't. I don't know any. I don't know. So, any, so I, don't, I don't. These perpetual hole pokers. First of all, everything in life is a cost benefit analysis. 
everything. And the reason why everything in life is a cost-benefit analysis is because there's a cost to everything and there's a benefit to everything. The cost means it ain't free. Everything in life is a cost-benefit amount. So as you think about these perpetual hole pokers, this could be for hydrocarbons, this could be for solar, this could be for battery storage. I mean, I could sit here and tell you what lithium ion does, that the mining does to different pieces of our foresting community in the Appalachian, in, in, in Appalachia, and it'd be like, man, that's a terrible idea. Because you can always find something negative about anything we choose to engage in. Like you can take a $1.7 trillion bill and you can say, wow, like, you know, these are the things that I don't like about it. Or you can take it and say like, hey, these are the things I do like about it that are, that are fruitful. Because if we're always focused on finding the things that don't align, we'll always be able to find them. But to your point about that bill, the problem that you, that you brought up earlier is that 9% nine, nine of it is going toward COVID. Yeah. The reason why I posed the question to you earlier is what would be acceptable? Half of it? Yeah. Half plus one? I mean, I mean, let's let's look at this under the guise that we view an election. Yeah. You win if forty nine point nine 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 percent of the people don't like you. You win if fifty point zero 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 one percent of people like you. Yeah. So how about at least that portion of the bill goes toward COVID relief? Nine yeah. percent. Yeah. I don't care what your party affiliation is. That's ridiculous. And, and look, and to your point, this is a even broader conversation about transparency in government, right? Because here's, here's what's coming up right now. The next time that we're going to vote an election, we have a year and a half. In a year and a half, we have two elections we're going to vote in. We're going to vote in a primary and we're going to vote in a general election. 2022. So March of 2022 and November of 2022. Two things we're going to vote in. So between now and then, what are the things that we're going to do as citizens to educate ourselves on policy, to understand the types of candidates who are running and what they believe in and what they're trying to do and what are their, uh, what initiatives are they going to use to, to push um, certain agendas forward? to learn more, to really take the time to discover what parties and people stand for? What are we going to do in that time period? Are we just going to wear, wear a sticker or post things on Facebook or say we agree this or we stand with this? Or are we really going to step up, learn ourselves, but then also take those learnings and findings and share them with others? And yeah, Ren, I want to add to that just, just ever so slightly. I want to say also... Have some empathy. Learn what the other side is saying as well. Oh. Learn what the other side thinks too. Yeah. It makes you well, it makes you more well-rounded. It makes you better. You know, you know what that reminds me of is one of my favorite movies, A Time to Kill. And, 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 yeah, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. Yes. And part of the reason, of course, no, I love not, That's not where you're going? No, it wasn't where I was going with that, but thank you. But that's okay. part of it, there's two. Well, part of the reason I love the movie is because it has two of my favorite actors of all time, the incomparable Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, he's pretty good. And the incomparable 
Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Who in that movie plays Jake Brigance. Brigance. Yeah. And it's a Lincoln. It's a Lincoln. A Lincoln. You do it better than me. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, those are the best commercials, by the way. Oh, I, it, I watched that commercial. I want to buy four Lincolns. It 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 certainly it's, <laughs> like like give me a Lincoln. It certainly makes you want to buy a Lincoln. Yeah. Go ahead. For yeah. sure. Anyway, For sure. Yeah, continue. And there was a there was a moment in the movie, uh, a time to kill, and I don't know if if our our viewers seen this, but there's a moment in the movie where essentially you have a white attorney in the South who's representing a black man. And Samuel L. Jackson's character, uh, the attorney is Matthew McConaughey, and Samuel L. Jackson is the man who's being represented who um, is accused of killing a man who brutally raped and murdered, or not murdered, but uh, brutally raped his daughter a group of men who were white supremacists. And they're talking about their strategy for defending, or Matthew McConaughey's talking about a strategy for defending him with with Samuel L. Jackson. And Samuel L. Jackson has this poignant point where he basically tells him, hey, how would you talk about a white person if this happened? Like, 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 don't, don't think about how do I defend this black guy. Like, how would you think about defending a white person if this happened. Like the idea, hey, we're all people. There's a general humanity that links us all. And in the seminal moment of the movie, Matthew McConaughey is talking to the all-white jury and he paints this vivid picture of the, the tragic story of the things that happened to this young girl and how they treated her. And at the end, he said, now imagine that she's white. Mm-hmm. And... That truly removed a barrier of these uh, for these people to think about this young girl as a person. So when you talk about thinking about things from the other side and from the other perspective, we have these barriers in our lives now that prevent us from viewing the other side of the proverbial political fence as something that's not even human. So part of the thing is taking the time to think about the other side, think about their perspective, learn about their perspectives to see, A, if there's merit in it, and B, why do you believe what you believe? Like to really challenge yourself to understand why do you believe what you believe? I have my political affiliation. I have my faith. The things that I believe, I believe because I've challenged myself to think about the alternatives. And I would encourage others to do that. I mean, if you strongly believe something, you really want to see how strongly you believe it, don't get in that echo chamber. We talked about this before. Don't get in the echo chamber. Really understand what the other side of the perspective is, the other side of the coin, so that you can solidify your beliefs or where it's necessary, change the things that aren't effective. And by change, actually do things that will actually change it. Um, Not virtue signal or cancel. Change it. I think right now we are living in a very interesting world to where people are confusing being a part of change with virtue signaling. Yeah. Wearing a pen. Changing your background on your on your profile. Putting a sticker on something. Putting a bumper on your car. 
putting a flag on your car. What are you going to do? Matt Topolsky, who is producing this thing, is a good, very dear, dear friend of mine. He has an American flag embossed on his ruby red Jeep. You know what this guy does too, though? He's producing this show. He helped me with my campaign. He is taking stake in this country and in America. The flag is great. What I appreciate more is the effort to actually help people make change for the country. That's beautiful to somebody like me. He, he didn't just change his profile to just be a black spot. He's doing things about it. And this is what I constantly want to reiterate to people regardless of how you feel about anything or what you're passionate about. Just talk about it. Be about it. Be about it. Yeah. Because to your point, when you ask that question of what do you stand for, anything that, that I'm affiliated with, I would hope that the affiliations that I have in life would be proud that I stand for what they stand for, right? I would hope that the United States Military Academy at West Point would be proud that I'm an alum because I believe in this country and I'm willing to sacrifice for this Regardless country. Regardless of political affiliation. Regardless of political yes. affiliation. Yeah. I hope that my church is proud that I affiliate with it. I hope that my church is proud that I stand for their mission. And that's what we have to think about. If you think about just the flag in general and just having a flag bumper sticker and all these kind of things, you know, it's that deeper question of well, what does the flag stand for? What do you stand for? Yeah. And holding yourself truly accountable to what that really looks like. Because once again, <laughs> it's not free to stand for something. That's correct. You might do that, but you might not do it well. If, if, if I call myself, which I do, a Christian, what is it that I really stand for? If I, if I call myself a Christian and I treat people the wrong way and I demonize people and dehumanize them, what do I really stand for? It's like we were talking about last week. If you're somebody that spends all your time being a hole poker, or going online and just trashing and demonizing other people ad infinitum. What do, but then you want to turn around and, and walk into church on Sunday. Just sitting online and trashing people all week. What do you stand for? And here's the thing. We live in a country, and it's one of the beauties of living in the United States of America. You are free to do that. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's and be you clear. know, and you know what? Let's be clear. And about you know that. what? You're free to be wrong. Let's be clear about that. Y you, you and I talking right now, risk our lives to defend the right for people to say and do whatever they want to do. Yeah. Our dad has one of the greatest sayings of all times. It, 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 this, this is probably actually number one. Rendon, you're my favorite son. 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that's what he meant by that. <laughs> I think he told you that to make you feel good. I thought that was his greatest saying of all he time. He told you to make you feel good because <laughs> he knew you were feeling uncomfortable about about me. He wanted to make you feel good. I understand that. <laughs> One of my favorite sayings outside of uh, free isn't free and neither is coffee is just because you can doesn't mean you should. Hmm. Just because you have the right to doesn't mean you should do it. And what he really meant by that was, are you going to show some discretion and show some understanding of other people around you, surroundings, thoughts, feelings, emotions, empathy for others? Or are you going to be that person that says, I can do it because I can, so I can, so I did it. With no regard for anybody else. What else dad used to say is when we would ask him why we should do things, he'd always say, because it's the right thing to, to do. do. Or because I said so. Ah, that's, that's another one he said, too. Uh, <laughs> and through, you know, it's kind of funny is uh, through, through, the, through the maturation process of life in general, I've gotten to a point where that means so much to me because we shouldn't need a carrot or a cookie to do the right thing. We shouldn't, we, we shouldn't need that. Um, that's where I think a lot of uh, sometimes faith-based gets a little bit off because it's like we're not living in grace and mercy. We're living to check boxes. Yeah. And I don't think that's the right way to go about life. I don't treat people a certain way because I mandate that they treat me that way. I, I treat them that way because it's the right thing to do. And it's even the idea of this country and being willing to sacrifice for this country. I didn't sacrifice for this country because I believe that everybody in this country would sacrifice for me because I know that that's not true. I know that that's not true. But I believe in this country and I believe in this cause. And if I believe in this cause, then I'm free to pursue it because I believe it's the right thing to do. Not because I need any reciprocity or because I need anybody else to do the same for me, but it's because in my worldview, in what I see, I want to create a world that's better for my kids. I want to create a world that's not only better for them, but better for the people that they interact with as well. Because it's one thing for us to raise our collective four kids and say, hey, like our kids are great, but uh, you know, everybody else is, 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 uh, is off the reservation and everybody else isn't doing so well. That's not how this works. My kids' success and viability in this world is predicated in them being in a system that works more broadly for so, them and for others. So uh, before, I give, before I've given a few speeches, there's a quote that I saw a while back and I use it often, and I think you and I can relate to this. And the quote is, you're standing in front of people that are non-veterans. And the quote is, I don't know you, and you don't know me, but I'm willing to die for you. Now, I'm not quite sure if you were put in the same position, you would do the same. And that's okay. Because that's why I wore the uniform. 
and you didn't. I love that quote because it speaks to the freedom that people are willing to provide for others, knowing that if they were put in the same position, they aren't going to climb into that destroyer and spend months and months away from their family in a foreign land, boarding ships. They wouldn't do that for you, but you did it for them. They aren't going to be the people that climb into that helicopter 55 times and fly around and get shot at. But you'll do it for them. And that is the story of America. Well, and, and you know, it's kind of funny because <laughs> what I think about all the time, we can focus on the people that maybe would or wouldn't do that for us. Do you know what I focus on? I focus on the people who did it with me. That's exactly right. I don't, and Rendon, that's perfect. I gladly, in fact, Rendon, I'll take it one step further. I don't want you to do it for me because I'm doing it for you. That's my sacrifice for you. In fact, I don't want you to do it. I want 1% of the population to sacrifice for everybody else so we could all live in a land of the free and the home of the brave. That's why we're doing it. Because you can't. It's beautiful for me, actually. Every now and again, just say thank you. That's all. Every now and again. Or if you don't want to say thank you and you want to express your right and you want to express your freedom of speech and your freedom of religion, and it might be antithetical to the way I view the world, I would still climb that helicopter. You would still get in that destroyer for them to have the choice to do that too. Yeah. Well, that's what makes a great nation. Yeah. Is the choice to be able to do that. There's a risk in freedom. Always. A huge risk in freedom. And we see it oftentimes, and I think, I think, Raising kids is is really a strong example of what that risk looks like, and I'll give you an example of when of of my senior year in high school. Mom and dad knew, and this comes from you. I didn't drink in high school, not a single drop. I didn't either. Yeah. And the reason why it comes from you is, I think you were doing it for for honestly <laughs> more moral reasons in that you saw yourself as, as being somebody who was engaged in sports, engaged in student counseling, you knew it wasn't the right thing to do. Me, I didn't do it because you had built such a good brand, and I'm like, hey, man, like, like if, if Wesley doesn't do it, hey, the Hunt brothers don't do this. This ain't our shtick, man. And I'll always thank you for that because if not for having you as an example, I don't know what type of shenanigans I'd have gotten myself into. However, my senior year in high school, when... And by the way, we never judge anybody that, that, let's be clear, we never judged our friends, though. Oh, no. Like, one of the best moments of my life. Uh, <laughs> we never judged any. Like, like I guess I'm not, I don't, I don't be self-righteous. Like, we didn't drink in high school. We didn't. No, no, but no. It's, like, look, look, not, not to be hyperbolic. I mean, one of, I, I mean, hyperbolic saying that it's one of the best moments of my life. But I would say my first entrepreneurial endeavor was uh, we were having a formal one time. And uh, this is my senior year. And uh, we were having a pre-party at this guy's house. 
And the cool thing was a lot of my friends and my friends' Love parents did this. They <laughs> we're having a pre-party at this guy. Yeah. Very anonymous. We're not missing. Yeah. We're not missing. We're having a pre-party at this guy's house. Very anonymous. <laughs> whose, whose, whose parents might or might not have been out of town. And their might or might not have been alcoholic beverages. And and it was hilarious because so this party is going on and uh and my buddy whose house uh whose whose house is going whose house the party was was happening at he we're connecting and he's like hey man we got to figure out how to get these people from my house to the formal okay so it's like oh man and this is before uber where you could just call people i mean first of all uber is going to be fantastic for our kids, for our kids. and the it's youth the and stuff thing. like i i will DUIs, have wise my my credit card no excuse my credit card will be on uber for whenever my kids want to use it i won't ask if you i see an uber like, i'll be like this, this is awesome great awesome <laughs> but this is before uber so me and this guy were trying to figure this out and we come up with the idea it's like you know what i bet if we get if we rent a school bus we can get that school bus and we can get the driver in the school bus and we can take all the kids from the party who were loaded at that time, loaded with joy. Yeah, yes. Uh, we can loaded take- Loaded with spirit. With spirit. We could get all those kids to the function and if we get them to the function, like nobody's going to be drinking and driving or anything like that. This sounds like a great idea. So we're thinking about this. Okay, we're going to get a bus. Hey, buses cost money. Okay. So how, how are we going to get a bus? So my buddy em- empowers me because he knows that I'm going to be the sober one at the party. Uh, to come going, up, are you going to drive the bus? To come up with a way. Are you going to be the bus no, driver? No, I could not. I did not have a license to drive that. <laughs> okay. There's only so many illegal things I can talk about in this story. Like, no, I did not have a license. We had to get a bus driver too, right? So I get to this guy's house and I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. This is a normal house party. I'm like, I'm going to charge 20 bucks for everybody who comes into the house party. You know, and so this guy's house is getting filled. I'm getting 20 bucks in. If I see people that come from the other school, I'm like, yeah, man, it's going to be like 40. Like, oh, I thought it was 20 for them. Nah, man, like, you know, you don't go to our school. So there's like another. So th- you took another. the 20 bucks and then you left and you go to the formal <laughs> and the bus never showed up. <laughs> no. So you're pocketing the money. Is what you're, is what you're no, I, I, I'll put it this way. I made way more money than the bus cost. <laughs> way more money than the bus cost. And. And here's here's where you realize too, and I give I give credit to mom and dad for for truly raising us as ethical people, because I went up to my buddy whose house it was, and I'm like, look, man, clearly there's going to be some damage, some cleaning that needs to be done. Like, here's a couple I, I, here's a couple hundred bucks for, 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 for you to clean for the incidentals <laughs> for, for you to get the house clean. For you to get the house clean and look, man, and the rest, the rest of it, like you know, hey, that'll that'll be my fee for for making sure everything, yeah, you know, everything is 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 operating correctly, right? But all this to say, uh, only reason, only reason I tell a story like that is when when you think about kids and you think about what's important to them and how they're developing in this world and what is free and what is not free and the decisions that they're making. You know, 
they can make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. My and, and what I was getting at was mom and dad, my senior year, I didn't have a curfew. Mom just requested that I just call her to let her know where I was. Yeah. Okay. And I'll tell you what came along with that freedom. Trust. Yeah. Because I knew that they trusted me. And you know what? I wasn't doing the wrong thing. Now, that could really backfire. Okay. That could backfire on you. But until you have true freedom to be who you are and make choices to do the right or wrong thing, you don't really know what you're made of. Yeah, until you're given the opportunity to do it. And in our country, that freedom reveals how, who people are. Sometimes in a really good place and sometimes in a really bad place. You have to accept the good with the bad, too. We're country. dealing with people that don't have curfews. Some of them probably need curfews. Most of them probably need. But curfews. you know what? If if we <laughs> if we were not in a place where we had that type of freedom, yeah, the brightest stars would never be able to shine. That's exactly right, and that's why it's not free. The brightest stars would never be able to shine, and that's why this country is the greatest country that's ever existed in the world. And because this is why we sh- and yeah, I love that. It's not only the freedom. This is why we shine so this and this is why we shine so bright. It's not only the free it's not only the freedom shine to- bright like a diamond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not only the freedom to do all the, the, the right things, it's the freedom to make mistakes too. That's true. And our country has made many of them. We have made many of them. And we will continue to do so. And we'll continue to make mistakes. But 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 that's how you grow. The, the big tragedy is if you have the freedom to, to make mistakes and you don't learn anything from them. Mm-hmm. That's where the big tragedy exists. But until you give that, that, that broad scoping freedom, you really can't tell what somebody's made of. And I really respect that. And, and in that whole moment of parenting and seeing how our parents parented, that was an opportunity for me to really taste. You're free to do anything, so do the right thing. Yes. One of my favorite quotes comes from Fight Club. Wow, what's, the, just, what's the first rule? What's the first rule about Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club. What's the second rule about Fight Club? You don't talk about Fight Club. Third rule: If it's your first time, you have to <laughs> <laughs> it's the first time you have to fight. <laughs> you know, one of the quotes in Fight Club. One of my my favorite quotes is. It's after you've lost everything, everything yeah. that you're free to do anything. Yeah. And we, we saw it in, in Houston. We've seen it with these couple of once-in-a-lifetime disasters we've had over the past decade mm-hmm. where when people lost their homes, at, at my church, there were people who they lost everything, and you talk to them, and they just felt so free. It's like... I'm free from the stuff. I'm free to know that the value wasn't held in the gone. things that I had. It's all gone. It's I'm, all gone. I'm free to and, know that the value is, is in here. And I have my life. I have my life. I have my God. I have my children. I have my health. And that's what's most important. Yeah. It, 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 it frees you up. The stuff doesn't matter. It frees you up. And that's perspective. That's the ability to not, to not take things for granted. But perspective costs, man. Perspective costs. Sometimes perspective costs in flying 55 combat missions and getting shot at. Yes, it costs. Like perspective costs. There's always going to be a cost to it. 
Well, we're coming up on time for you, our listener. But I want to tell you one last thing that Willie Hunt would always tell us. Do you know why experience costs so much? Why? Because it's worth it. (laughs) This is what we're talking about. Nothing in this life is free. Nothing that we have is free. And even in the joke, where we talk about freedom isn't free and neither is coffee, make sure you leave your quarter for your cup of coffee. You have got to understand that the very soil that we stand on, the very homes that we live in, and the very lives that we live was paid for, as you so eloquently put it, Rendon, by blood. It's not free. We cannot forget that. And amidst all the strife, the consternation, and all the finger-pointing, at the end of the day, we have to respect those that were willing to allow us to sit here today, regardless of their race, religion, color, or creed. I'll let you wrap us up. That's the truth. As always, thank you for your time, Wesley, and, and thank you, listener, for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. And I'll close this. In the words of Willie Hunt, smiles are contagious, so So make make someone's someone's day. day. Thank you.